Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast. Where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing our recent trip to Galaxy's Edge. Unfortunately, we were there a few weeks before Rise of the Resistance opened, but it's still a pretty awesome land. So we'll Indeed. be discussing that in this episode. We'll talk a little bit about Rise of the Resistance, just you know, from what we've learned, uh, seeing on social media and, and things about what you need, how early you need to get there if you actually yeah. want to ride the ride. And some things like that. Earlier than we were there. Yeah, I think we would have, yeah, we would have gotten <laughs> we there. We were early. there early. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. I do want to mention, before we get into Disney news for the week, last week we talked about Disney Plus. So all the, the original content on, on Disney Plus. So we talked about some of the shows, how incredible Jeff Goldblum is, <laughs> how great The Mandalorian is. We talked about the Imagineering story. And I think when we recorded... Last week, we'd only watched one I think or two one, episodes. One and a half episodes, right. I think. And so since then, we've watched another three or four, and it just gets better and better. I mean, it it is a fascinating it It tale. is. It has gotten a lot better because I know the first episode, I was kind of like, I don't know. I, I, well, I, the first I episode maybe is sort of almost fell asleep a little bit. I think we've covered a lot of that, too. Yeah, like, the, f- the first episode is essentially the creation of Imagineering and Disneyland. But then as it goes on, it, it's gotten more into present day. The most recent one we watched was about kind of the tail end of Michael Eisner's. Yeah, it's like the 90s. I almost said rain, but his, his time <laughs> as CEO. And it, it was late 90s, early 2000s where there was a switch from creativity to fiscal responsibility. And then you had smaller parks in DCA and the studios in Paris that didn't do as well because they cut corners. And then that was juxtaposed with Disney Sea, which the Oriental Land Company said, spend whatever you want to spend. And it's like the greatest park ever built. So it, it is just incredible. And I'm, I'm sad because I think this is only going to be a one season thing because they're basically going to get to present day but i would love if there was another season of this mm, yeah it it is very um it's fascinating to hear all of the imagineers and their opinions on what was going on at the time and they got michael eisner which i think is actually kind of interesting because he didn't have the best exit from the company and they still interviewed him about the company and what he was doing and, yeah, I will and it was s- smart on his part because he got to tell his side of the deal yeah and i will say to your point you know michael eisner didn't leave on the best terms but the 20 years he was ceo i mean he really transformed disney i mean yeah. without him you're not gonna have the disney company you have today because he was the one that expanded into hotels and shopping at the theme parks he started the cruise line he he purchased ABC, which bought Bob Iger in. I mean, he did a lot of Speaking great of the cruise things. line, we should cover the the cruises one week. Yeah, that, that would be a, a good follow-up episode. So, so yeah, so as, as, as poor terms he left the company on, I mean, he, he did do a, a good job. And I think it, it was good that they were able to get him because he was a, an integral part for, you know, those two decades. So, again, if you want to hear what we thought about the other shows, listen to last week's episode but the Imagineering story, I just wanted to bring that up because it, mm. it gets better and better as we go on. So jumping into Disney news this week, we'll start with a, a Star Wars story. Since one, we're <laughs> talking about Galaxy's Edge. And two, uh, the Rise of Skywalker opens this week. So mm-hmm. it, it will be in theaters this week. But I was, I was actually reading this. I think this story came out a few weeks ago, but I, I was just reading about it this weekend. But apparently... And I think this was John Boyega. He he kind of fessed up to this. Left a script in his apartment for the movie, and the script ended up on eBay. So an actual script 
for The Rise of Skywalker ended up on eBay and someone could have bought it and known exactly what happened the entire movie. Luckily, a production assistant at Disney saw the script on eBay and purchased it before anybody else could get it. Oh my so gosh, what kind of bonus is this person getting? Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. And and J.J. Abrams was the first, he mentioned it, and he didn't want to name names. And then uh, later, John Boyega kind of confessed to it. He was, I guess, moving apartments, and he, you know, he left it in his apartment. He was going to go back and get it, forgot about it, and then the kind of cleaning crew came up to clean out his old apartment, and somebody must have grabbed it and put it up on eBay. Wow. Just, just an incredible story. I need to start searching eBay more often <laughs> for scripts because I don't even think it was going for that much money, they said, because people probably thought it was a fake. Yeah. Like nobody necessarily believed it was real. Oh so I, it wasn't like they had to pay, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. At least it didn't sound like that. It, it sounded like it was a reasonable price that they bought it for. So we could have had it. Man. We could have known what, what was happening in this movie six months ago. Man. But it's only a few days away and we actually will know what's happening. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty exciting. Uh, kind of sticking with the movies. So again, Rise of Skywalker comes out in this week and I imagine it's going to do incredibly well. Yeah. Probably over a billion dollars easily. Unless it's like completely terrible and everyone's like, don't go see it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's it's probably pretty much locked in at least to a billion, <laughs> even if it's not that great, just on the... Uh, seeing the trailers and the marketing of it alone, but it, it came out. So Disney uh, has been the first studio to pass $10 billion at the global box office with Frozen going over a billion dollars. They beat their record. We talked about this a few months ago where they beat their previous record from a few years ago by going over $7 billion at the global box office. <laughs> and so now they are the first studio ever to go over $10 billion. And that's not even including all the Fox movies. So this is strictly Disney, Marvel, Pixar. So if you add in, if you add in the Fox movies, I think that adds another like billion or so to them. So it, it, it's even it's even bigger. But yeah, so with Star Wars coming in, I mean, I think eleven, twelve billion dollars is is not out of reach. I'm flabbergasted. That's an insane amount of money. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I mean, do you think this is something that is they'll be able to beat? No, that they'll be able to beat again. So they beat their previous record from a few years ago. They're the first to ever ten billion. I mean. Do you think next year they're going to be able to beat this? No. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't I, think so. Either. I, they had too many are huge they, movies. There's no Star Wars movie coming out next year, right? No, there's no Star Wars there, movie. They don't have Marvel, Endgame. Yeah, when when is Marvel coming out with another movie? Well, Marvel has a couple movies next year, but Endgame. But it's not Endgame. Yeah, Endgame is the number one movie of all time. It made two point seven, almost two point eight billion right there. So you're going to have a drop off there, right? You're not going to have Star Wars. Yeah, I think next year's a, a down year for them, which you know, a down year is probably still five or six billion dollars, but I think that um I think that Jungle Cruise is gonna do really well for them. Um I think Mulan has a chance at doing a billion Mulan dollars. Mulan looks incredible. Yeah, let's talk about that. The trailer dropped for Mulan and it looks I mean, it just looks like a really interesting conversion of a really good cartoon into a gritty and uh compelling and it's not a musical yeah it, 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 it's it's not it, like the, with the other live action remakes where they they keep the musical theme of it this is not a musical at the all the emotion in this one seems so real it's palpable in the trailer where you they really focus in on the father and how he has to go to war that there's this issue with 
the oh my goodness what's his name Shao Kahn or not Shao Kahn is that right his name that's his name I think sure right. I'm not as familiar with Mulan but sure Shao Kahn no I, all I, I know is they need to defeat yeah, the I think Huns it's Shao Kahn. that's all I know he but there there's this issue and so all these men have to go to war and you can almost feel the emotion there uh, maybe it's been a while since I watched the court cartoon but I think maybe just seeing it with real people this one is one of the ones that I really think is going to lend itself super well and they also have some very interesting. I mean, they didn't completely take all the fantastical elements out of it. It looks like there is there's some animation in there with different well, creatures. The one like, character is a witch who can basically shape shift. Yeah, into yeah, different yeah. Animals. Which so there is magic. I'm very I'm I'm curious because do we know anything about Mushu with this? Is is Mushu going to be a part of it? I or? haven't seen anything. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Because I mean, it could be something they're holding back. Because again, with somebody being able to shapeshift into different creatures, right, maybe what, maybe somebody on a Mulan side, so so the witch is kind of on the Hun side, but maybe somebody on Mulan side is able to shapeshift and and turn into a creature. Wouldn't it be interesting if Mulan herself could shapeshift and she's Mushu, like a blending of the two characters? She's, I was gonna say Mushu, but that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that. I definitely think that if they have a shape-shifting witch, they could definitely have Mushu, but I don't know how it'll fit. Uh, but again, Disney does all these wonderful things that you don't think are going to work. So Yeah, I, so I, I think Mulan has a chance of doing a billion. We yeah. have The Little Mermaid coming out live-action next year. which mm -hmm. probably, I mean, all these live-action movies, whether you think they're necessary or not, are making a <laughs> billion dollars. And, and so you kind of have to think those both will do it. Marvel has the Black Widow movie, and I think it's Shang-Chi coming out next year. Those probably, I'm thinking, won't do a billion, but, but they're going to be pretty good. So yeah, I think Disney has a good year at the box office, but they're not beating this year. Now, in a couple years, we're going to get another Avatar movie in, in 2021. Do you think that's going to do really well? Do you think that people I are, do. are, like, are, I don't know, just super excited to see another Avatar? I think it will do well. I don't think it's going to beat the first avatar which is now the number two movie of all time at 2.7 billion dollars but i think it's a pretty much guaranteed billion dollar lock because you're gonna get the overseas market alone could probably push it to a billion dollars and then domestically i think enough people want to see it that they're gonna want to see what's james cameron doing next what's the next tale of this he's been developing they're gonna sell this as you know, he's been developing this for 10 years. It's the most technologically advanced thing we've ever done. And I think that'll push people to go see it. Personally, with how great Pandora is yeah. at Disney World, I want to go see it. I mean, if you just look at the popularity of that ride two years after that land opened, people are still flocking to Animal Kingdom before the park opens to get in line for that and to ride that and to be in that land as much as they can because it is such... It's an immersive place and it's a great land, but it makes you like the the property more. In the same way that Frozen Ever After makes me want to see Frozen more, riding Flight of Passage makes me want to see what they're going to do next in Avatar. I mean, I'll go see it just just based on that alone. So I I, th I think it's going to do a billion at least. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily know if it's going to get up to two or so, but uh, you know that's in a couple of years. And I think Marvel has I think in 2021 is when the next Avatar movie is coming out. I believe that's the same year as the next Thor movie's coming out, which is going to do really well. So, you know, maybe in another four or five years, you know, Disney is uh, 
is above the uh, the ten billion dollars at the box office again. They start making X Men movies, but I don't think I think it's gonna be a while until somebody approaches this. Yeah, yeah. Frozen Two I just looked up has grossed three hundred and sixty six point five domestically million and six hundred sixty six thousand uh, million internationally. So that's one point zero three two billion dollars. Right. Yeah. The, the international markets, you know, definitely you know push some of these movies. So. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, final piece, just really quick, the Disney announced that the final piece of the Tron light cycle or power cycle, I don't know exactly what they're calling it in Walt Disney World, but the track is in place. So oh. so the track is done for the for the Tron coaster in the Magic Kingdom. Now they just have to build the show building and everything like, like that. So I think we're still a year and a half away, two years maybe until it's done, but it seems to be on track for the 50th in 2021. So that's exciting. That's probably the top ride that uh, from Shanghai Disney. So I think it's great that we're, we're getting one stateside here. So I would love to, I I've never watched the video of what the Tron light cycle ride looks like. I'm very curious. It must be very good because I don't feel like Tron was that popular of a movie here for them to have decided to convert it into such a big it, it's a it's parks. a good ride and it has a similar ride vehicle to Flight of Passage where okay. you're like on if you feel like you're on like a motorcycle. Okay. And so it's a, it's a unique it's a unique ride vehicle. Tron is, you know, it's that digital world so there's a lot of cool lights and everything. Okay, yeah, so that would it, be really it's, cool. it's very interesting that the show building itself uh, is very visually stunning, so I think I all of that lends itself. I was to gonna it. say, like that digitized world. Even if the movie itself wasn't that popular, the digitized world would be really a immersive thing to be there in person for. All right. So moving on to our main topics, like I said, we're going to be discussing uh, our recent trip. So a little bit of a trip recap, but primarily this episode is going to be on our time in Galaxy's Edge because that was the primary reason for this trip. We spent. <laughs> We wanted to get to Galaxy's Edge. We wanted to ride Millennium Falcon and really explore the land. And I will say, so we were just there for a weekend. We probably spent four or five hours uh, between the weekend in Galaxy's Edge. And we we did a lot. But at the same time, I feel like we only scratched the surface on a lot of stuff. So, I mean, they they really built in, in a very immersive land. And there is a lot to do. There's a lot of repeatability to, to go back, and there's a lot more details. We didn't even get into on the app playing with the the data pads, trying to like mm, break yeah. in or read some of the translate some of the languages. So there, there's a lot of time you can spend doing that. Um, so yeah, it, it really is. I think overall, just kind of first impressions. I mean, pretty amazing just yeah. to walk into, and and you're completely separated from the rest of the park. I did the droid building experience, and I think that so the one thing that was. I, I, we, I think we talked about this before. That was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, there's not a whole, as the, the amount of choices that you have for building a BB unit isn't as, as good as if you were building the R2 unit, but the R2 unit didn't look as cool. So I didn't want to build that one as much. But um, the one thing that I was, I'm curious about is for people who, who chose to add the personality chip to their robot, if that actually does much of anything. Yeah, so we'll I mean, kind of jump ahead. I mean, if you want to, we could start there with with the droid building. I, I do. So okay, so like like you said, <laughs> I mean, just maybe stepping back a little bit. This is one of the experiences. So, you know, a lot of people have said, "Hey, Galaxy's Edge isn't busy; it's a failure." But Disney says, "No, it's not. People are spending more oh, because no. everything you do in there 
And that is kind of one of the knocks of it. A lot of the stuff you want to do is an upsell. And it's a lot. So the droid building is one of them. So it's... It's at like 100 It's bucks. $100 to, just to get the droid. And you're right. You can pick either from an R2 unit or a BB unit. And, and we'll talk about the lightsaber building experience at Savvy's Workshop in a little bit, which, is, uh, which I did. I, I built a lightsaber. But it is... Which I think that's the better of the two experiences. Yes, definitely. This is much more, it's a conveyor belt. It's kind of like a quick in and out, like just kind of keep people it's more, moving through it. It's less of a, of a production. Yeah, it's, yes. it is It is like a quick moneymaker for them, for sure. Like you, It doesn't take very long to do. The only part that takes a while is just, it took me a while to be decisive about what I wanted because I went in thinking I was going to get a purple one. And then whenever I finally got up there, I actually didn't like the combination of the pieces for the purple one. And so, and I saw a lot of other people with purple ones. And the one thing about me is like, if I see everybody else has done something, I can't do that. (laughs) Gotta be original. Yeah. I I have to be different. So then I was like, there was another one that was red and black and white. And so that reminded me, I think there were a couple years ago, there were world cup balls that looked like that. So then I decided that I wanted to build that particular BB unit because I thought it would be cool to have one that looked like a soccer ball. Yeah. And I mean, it it is a neat experience, but yeah, it's definitely, I mean, like you said, there's, there's not a ton of options, especially if you're doing the, the BB units. Yeah. If you want them to be matchy matchy, if you want to go crazy, then yeah. Because the R2 units have... You know, not only can you customize them, but then you can buy like little blasters that you can attach to their legs uh-huh. and different things like that. But you, can, but you can't add those to the the BB units. But yeah, but the, the R two units are more just like a like a regular uh, like a regular remote control things. The BB unit is newer. Yeah, and, it's and I different. Say, and that that's kind of what I was getting to next. Is they're both remote controlled, and it is pretty fascinating how the BB units work because I mean, they, they really roll like BB eight, the head, you know, kind of swivels and always stays towards the top. I mean, it, it is pretty amazing how they were able to build these, uh, you know, robot remote control toys that work really well like that, like you see in the movie. So, you know, from that perspective for a hundred dollars, I mean, it, it is a, it's a high quality uh, droid. It's not like it's a cheap thing or something. I mean, they've sold, they've sold these BB eights, you know, a few years ago, like Apple had them, Disney made them in like conjunction with Apple. They'd work with your phone. They were much smaller. I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is a, a decent size. I mean, it's probably a foot, foot and a half tall mm-hmm. overall. And so, I mean, I definitely think you know it, it is worth it. But then you're right. You can buy you can buy a backpack for it. You can buy personality yeah. chips to make it sound differently. And they're supposed to interact with other droids in the land as you carry them around. Like they're supposed to alert you if the first order is coming. If you have a a rebel droid. If you buy the personality chip of the first order, it will alert you if the rebels. This is kind of the one thing, and we can talk about it throughout. But the land, whenever they originally sold it, is there was going to be a lot more interactive features, and right. I think it's just too new because I really don't think that, like they don't have any droids roaming around. They have a few characters roaming around, but I don't think like if you were carrying your BB droid around you were really going to know what it was doing. Like, I, I really don't think they have that fully dialed in. Right. I, that's, that's exactly what it was. I remember like standing there and talking to the person and just saying like, Hey, what does this do? What does that chip do? Cause it sounds cool. But I mean, 
if if it's not like that it, it's devoid of a personality if you don't buy a personality chip so it's all it's really just an upsell sell of oh well mine will just sound a little different yeah and even and, and you can buy them later and even without that that's exactly what she said yeah. was oh well if you decide you want one you can come back and buy it later yeah and even without it it still makes noise it still lights up it's still you know they're a lot of fun to play with and what's cool is right outside the droid depot they have a little place where you can play with your droids so everybody's kind of out there Mm-hmm. rolling their, their droids around and stuff so it, it is pretty neat yeah i kind of wish that they had had more they had one and i wish there were more places i definitely could see this as being something like where they what they have in universal with harry potter and the wands and what the how those can like interact with different things um i definitely think that they're probably heading there but like we just said it's it's too new yeah for it to have really made much of a difference they should for make us. like an, a, an area so this was just like a small little area they had roped off that probably they made because people were playing with their droids in the middle of the, sh- the street, and they said, "Well, we yeah. need a, we need a little place for this." But they should add like droid racing That's or what something I was just like that, say. where there you can be droid racing. where you can kind of just see who can go faster around the bends and stuff. And I think that would be kind of interesting. Yeah, if they made it, that would get more people buying these droids. Right, which a lot of people are buying them now. Oh yeah, I'm sure that it, as as things wane, as they're once the sales go yeah, down, the sales yeah. go down, they'll start to get creative and come up with cool things like that. All right, so kind of going back to our start of the day. So we kind of alluded to it earlier that we got there pretty early. I wanted to make sure we got on Smuggler's Run. We had some reservations for the cantina, for the lightsaber build, for the droid. So I wanted to make sure we weren't waiting too long. So we got there probably an hour and a half or so before the park opened. We were one of the first probably 30 people in line. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know... We ended up waiting, so an hour and a half, two hours until the park opened, but it probably was worth it because we walked right on. We were the first group on the Smuggler's Run. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about- I think we might have been the first yeah. ride of the day. And we'll talk about our experience on that, but we got off, and then there is a single rider line, which they do close sometimes if it gets full, but we walked off. We walked right onto the single rider line, probably waited 10 minutes and got on it again Yeah, in, in separate groups. So within 15 minutes- we rode it twice. So if you even add being there an hour and a half, two hours early, within two hours, we had ridden it twice. And by the time we had gotten off the second time, the wait was up to like an hour and a half. So we wouldn't have been able to ride twice in two hours. So I think it was worth it going that early. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, I mean, I kind of wish we would have figured out the single rider line a little earlier because we might have been able to get a third ride in, but we kind of... I well, think, I think by the time the, we got off, the single rider line was full. By the time we got off the second time... We did, time. but I think if we would have realized that it was it was as good as it was, if we would have been a little quicker on it, I think we probably could have snuck two rides in. On the single ride? Yeah, we could yeah, have yeah. I think Because yeah. we kind of got off, and we were talking for a little bit, and then we're like, oh, there's a single rider line. Like, we probably could have ridden it in the amount of time it took us to realize... Like, for us to realize that we could get on the single, single rider line... And then by the time we would, we yeah, but that we didn't get a chance to ride it a third time because by that time people had figured it yeah, out. Yeah, it had filled up. So, and I think, and now kind of touching on with Rise of the Resistance, it does seem like people are, are getting there 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, and they are opening the park early because there are so many people there. And we talked about this last week. You need to join a boarding group. So you actually have to tap in at the tap styles. And then once you're in the park, you can join a boarding group. But it seems like these boarding groups are filling up 
pretty quickly early in the morning. And, you know, so if you come whenever the park opens or a little bit after, you either are getting a very late boarding group that you're going to be on it later in the day, or you may not get it on it at all. So it does seem like, especially with the holidays, that if you are going down, you're going to have to be there a few hours early uh, to, to ride if you want to ride Rise of the Resistance. And you still may not be riding until later in the afternoon. So, well, yeah. And it's, the it's other thing day. about that is just because you're getting a boarding group doesn't mean you're going to get to, to ride because if the ride breaks down, who's going to be the people who don't get to ride? The people right. in the late boarding groups. Right. And I, I did see, you know, a lot of people are saying, hey, we're there early, but all the other rides in the park have very low weight. So, I mean, I've seen people say, They've written everything in Toy Story Land within a half an hour. That's only a five-minute wait for Tower of Terror. So they open the park early, and you can ride a lot of stuff with very little wait and then go to Rise of the Resistance, spend time in Galaxy's Edge. So it's not like it's a complete waste of time getting there early in the morning, but I definitely think, at least for the next you know month or so here, that it's really important to get there early if you want to ride Rise of the Resistance. But so kind of going back to Millennium Falcon, kind of talking about our experiences – I'll say it definitely is uh, very detailed. So whenever you're waiting, you're waiting kind of in the, not the cockpit, but you're waiting in the Falcon. There's the hollow chest. You can kind of, they give you time to explore. It's very interesting. They give you a color group Mm, and then they give you whether you're either a pilot, an engineer, or uh, a gunner. And then you have, there's like four or five different color groups. And so you have time to walk around and they call, okay, I need the, I need the yellow group or I need the green group. And then that's when you go in. Yeah. So it is, it is a very interesting, there's like a little place that you can sit down uh, in there. So I don't know. It's, it's like a little round booth and that's where the hollow chest table is. Yeah. 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 So you can kind of get some pictures in there. It, it's uh, the way that they do it is very interesting. The, and then they kind of eventually will corral you and tell you to kind of stand together and they'll pull a whole group at a time. Um, I know the first time that we rode, we both got engineers. Yeah, we both got engineers. And then the second time that we rode, I got pilot and you got engineer. Yes, and, and then, then you switched me. And then so I, I got to be pilot. Yeah, I knew that you wanted to try pilot, so I, I was like, I won't be able to, to remember anything, so you can do the pilot, pilot. Right. So, so the ride is that you are piloting the Millennium Falcon, and you're going for. Hondo Anaka to to go get some cargo. I will say, I mean, when this ride first came out, a lot of people I think hated on it a little bit, saying, "Oh, it's not, you know, this you know super incredible ride," and it never was meant to be the the top attraction in this land. It definitely was. You know, Rise of the Resistance is number one. This is kind of the second attraction to it. So you almost have to look at it as like this is the the Navi River Journey. You know, Pandora has Flight of Passage and Navi River Journey. So if you look at it that way, this is a much stronger second ride than Navi River Journey. I would argue that the animatronic in that <laughs> makes it worth it. Navi River Journey? Yeah. Yeah, but what, what I'm saying is I, no, I, 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 think, I, I think a lot saying. of people... As far as thrill-wise. Yeah, I think a lot of people, because this was the first one that opened, expected it to be Flight of Passage, and it wasn't. What I was saying is go with that expectation of it's not Flight of Passage, it's Navi River Journey. It's the second attraction in it. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, when you're in there, it's it is a really great attraction. It's you really do feel like you're flying this thing. I don't think it has as much freedom as they made it out to be of, hey, you really have complete control over this. Uh, I do think the engineer was a lot better than being a pilot. Oh yeah. 
Uh, I definitely would say that. So I was the, there's two pilots. The one on the left controls the up and down. Now I was not that pilot. I think that's the better of the two because I was the left and right pilot. No, I'm sorry. The one on the left is the left and right. The one on the right, which I was, is the up and down pilot. But then you also get to punch it to hyperspeed. The up and down, you really don't do that much. Like I felt like I didn't have a lot of control. Like I was going up and down and it really wasn't reacting much to me. So I think the left and right, you have a little bit more control over it. But having ridden it twice, it is still a pretty standard story. I mean, we went through all of the steps. Uh, I will say the first time we did it when we were engineers, we had some good pilots and they flew really yeah. well. They didn't wreck into a lot of stuff. So we did do better. We, we got more cargo that first time. And you and I did not ride since we did the single, single rider yeah, we line. Ride we weren't together. So my, both groups of my pilots were very good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so my second group, we weren't as good. So we still went through the whole ride, but we just got less cargo. So whether they, whether it ever really was supposed to be, you know, completely in control and, and rendered in real time and, and a completely unique experience uh, was ever true, or it really was that. And they realized, Hey, if we give people that much control, they might wreck it too soon. And then it's going to be a 10 second ride. And so they kind of toned it back. I'm not sure. It'd Saying be, that it's still really good, but it'd be kind of fun to ride it if they have like controls on it. And if they took the controls off and you had a chance to like get good at it. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. Well, and, but, and like I said, I mean, even with that, I can see the difference because the first group, we had good pilots and we did do much better than the second group I was in when we had bad pilots. And again, I was one of those pilots. So I'm, <laughs> I'm responsible for some of that because it was my first time piloting it and we didn't do as well. So you still get the full ride experience. It's just, and it kind of yells at you if you don't do what you need to do, you <laughs> know? So it, you have a lot of opportunity to, to kind of to yeah. get in line. But yeah, I, for, I personally would say engineer, I think is fun because you yeah, can see a- everything. There's a lot of button. You can. There's more interactive. You push a lot more buttons than when yeah, you're yeah. Things light up if if your your ship gets hit. Things different buttons light up, and you have to press the buttons in order to repair your ship. And so, I mean, there are there are periods of time. It's actually kind of just the right amount of activity because there are periods of time where you're going to be not busy and you can just kind of sit back, relax, and watch. But then there are times where you're getting fired upon and you're taking all kinds of damage. So you're having to do your part to, to fix the ship. So I definitely liked that role. So I, the gunner one definitely looks like it's the worst. Cause you're just trying to jam a button as fast as yeah, you can. I think you only have one button and you're just, you're just repeatedly tapping, at least with the engineer, there's multiple buttons. To yeah. Press I, and I think that they need to, they definitely need to do something with like the gunner allowing you to aim the guns or something. I don't know because it is kind of, yeah. it is kind of, I, I think I would get annoyed being in that position. And I will say that. When you're piloting, there's a lot of switches up there, and you can just flip them anytime you want. It doesn't do anything. Because I was doing that as I was flying when I realized, oh, it's not really having me go up and down right now. I would just be flipping buttons because you know me. I just like to see what stuff does. And nothing really happened with it. (laughs) So it's interesting. But yeah, I mean, overall, it's a good ride. Whenever you get out. If our car had an ejector seat, you would have ejected yourself. Yeah, I would have. Because I would be like, what's this button do? But whenever you leave... The, the ship is kind of like smoking because of the damage you take, it, it, you know, it, it has it. So the more damage you take, the more it looks damaged as you walk out versus when you're done, like it will shoot smoke out of it and everything. So it, it is, it is pretty interesting. 
Uh, so from there, we, we went to Oga's Cantina. I thought this was a really great experience. Now, yeah. for people that aren't familiar with it, they don't serve food there. So don't think this is a, a sit-down restaurant or someplace you're going to eat. They have one... They have little snacks, but not... Yeah, the- like, I think they have like one snack because the people we... You're going to, especially if you're in a very small group, like it's just us two, you're going to be eating with somebody else. They're going to sit you... Yeah. yeah, it's packed. So they're going to be sitting you at the same table as somebody else. Well, so- most of it, I would say, it's mostly standing room. It's mostly just yeah. like high top standing tables, which is what we did. Right. And so we ended up talking like with another couple and they ended up they ordered the one of the snacks it was like a little like chippy thing that had some salsa or hummus or something with it and it looked decent and we also got to kind of see what their drinks were so that was nice um they were real nice yeah but it's not it's not like a full menu it's just very little snacks but it's mostly drinks and you're really there just for the atmosphere which which is great i mean the atmosphere and the experience of dj rex playing music Luckily, we were right in front of him. Yeah. So we had a great view yeah, we of, had, of kind of the show. We had a great spot. Right. And right now, they have a limit of 45 minutes mm-hmm. is all you're allowed to be in there. So it's like a two-drink, 45-minute limit. I think limit. we left a little bit earlier than our 45-minute. Yeah, we had, we had one drink. I mean, but but they keep they don't want you staying there because it is so crowded. It's very small. But it, it is definitely worth going to. So I had the blue milk and, and cookie. Um, which we can talk about the milk, but it uh, we had I had the blue milk, and then we had the green milk later. I don't think I, either of them were that great overall. <laughs> so this was in, in Oga's. It's a it's a chilled milk. If you get it out, yeah, if you get out in the say, park, it's like a slushy. It wasn't as which good. is better. Yeah, yeah, and um, and then you had the I had the fuzzy tauntaun, right? And that's what our way the person who sat us recommended that because I wasn't sure what to get. It was it was okay. I definitely wouldn't order it again. I would because it makes your face go numb. Yes, it does. There's foam on it that like numbs and the foam gives you a tingle. The foam tastes like it's like a salt lick mixed with something else. It's like very very strong taste, and it's not even a good strong taste. Um, it's a very strong taste. At first, I was like, oh, this is cool. It's like this fluffy stuff at the top of my drink, and so I kind of like put my lips in it not really knowing anything about what it was going to do and like tried to taste it. And I'm like, Oh, this is disgusting. And then like a minute later, I'm like, what's going on? Why, why, what does it feel like? I put that stuff on, you know, like the lipstick that you could put on your lips and it's supposed to make your lips tingle. bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't know. And that's what we are. The people that we were seated with actually said, Oh yeah, I heard that that's supposed to give like a tingle or, or like a numbing sensation to it. So I tried it too. And it is, I mean, it's pretty instant. It, it's neat. I mean, it, like, yeah, it yeah, was a, and it, it lasts a, a couple minutes. The drink was good. Like, yeah, the like drink said, itself the was okay. The foam maybe wasn't great, but the drink was good. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, and then mine, the cookie that came with it was good. Again, the the blue milk was not that great. I think the the people that say hey, the milks aren't that good are are right. I tried them. I mean, they were okay. Would I get either of them again? No. So. Um. Well, you ordered what was it? It was the. What was the second one you ordered? The blue milk? Blue milk. I got the I got the blue milk at the cantina and then oh, later okay. I got the green milk and I got I got that out in the land. So again, out in the land it's it's frozen. So that's definitely better. And I got it with I tequila. got the alcoholic with tequila. And, and again, Joe, it definitely was better. So it's kind of like a frozen margarita. Yeah. Which, is, which is definitely better. You but have again, to would mix I get it, it again? I don't know. You also have to mix it up 
when you get it because when we both tried it, we were ready to Im- immediately throw it away. Because oh, the te- tequila was so strong. Yeah, the yeah. tequila settled right where the straw, like right at the bottom. And so we were like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. But actually, as it got, as we went on, it got better. So maybe don't get it with alcohol in it. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I would recommend if you're going to get, if you want to try either of the milks, because I definitely think they're worth trying, get it from the milk stand where you can get it frozen as kind of like a slushy because the chilled version in the cantina was not good. I finished it, but it, it really wasn't that great. I kind of had to eat the cookie in between to kind of cleanse my palate of it. Mm. But like you said, once once you kind of got through that the strong tequila and we mixed it up, the the frozen green milk was actually pretty good because it is. It's like a slushy. Yeah. So that's a much better way to drink it because, again, they're, they're called milk, but there's no milk actually in them. They're like rice milk or coconut milk yeah. uh, and some different flavors. So... It does have a bit of a different taste to it, especially if you're thinking, hey, this is milk. Um, so if you have it as like a frozen version, it, it's, a, it's a little bit better to have. So uh, yeah. again, I think they're worth trying. Is this something that I'm like, every time I go, I'm going to have to get no, one? No, it, it not, is not. not at all. As, I think they need. As far I think as, they need to go back to the test kitchen on something. Yeah, days. as far as Disney food is concerned, it doesn't rank very high. You're going to spend your money elsewhere. As you're not going to want that again. Right. And so speaking of spending money, there are a ton of shops in this <laughs> in this land. And they have some very expensive stuff you can buy. Um, they have... It's expensive, but it's also unique. It's stuff you can't get anywhere else. So you can get storm, replica Stormtrooper masks. Now they're $400, but you can get them. <laughs> you can get... You can get masks of Kylo Ren, General Grievous. You can get uh, Jedi robes, and they range in value from you know seventy dollars if you want a vest to a full robe up to two hundred and fifty dollars. You can get Sith robes again that are seventy to two hundred and fifty dollars. I mean you you can buy really nice cosplay outfits, mm-hmm. really high quality stuff that yeah. that you can't find anywhere else. They don't sell it outside of Galaxy's Edge. It's only well it's only you know on world. They don't sell it off world as they say and it's you know it's going to cost you a lot of credit. Well, they sell some of the stuff in the gift shop in the front but in Hollywood Studios. Very little. But yeah, they don't sell like the big like super expensive. They don't sell, they don't all the, sell masks the, and the yeah, the masks. Yeah. They don't sell that, but they did sell some of the some stuff. Correct. But yeah, cuz that's a, and that's where you ended up buying your robes Yeah, the, I bought some I bought some vests. Yeah. So you're right. So they they do have a little bit outside, but most of it is in there. Of course I'm right. I'm so. always right. And they don't have anything that says Galaxy's Edge within Batu. That's only outside. So if you want like Galaxy's Edge branded mm-hmm. merch, that that's outside. I mean, they they are very well committed. I mean, they say credits in the park. Like nothing's dollars yeah. when you're on Galaxy's Edge. We we got a photo pass. We said, hey, do you have a magic shot? And they're like, what is magic shot? Yeah, she and didn't. She would not engage with they, the idea of magic. So they then call I, them. They call them per- hollow. Sc- pictures are hollow scans. Magic shots are projections on your hollow scans. I mean, it's. The level of detail is mm-hmm. impressive, and the commitment from everybody working there is impressive. But yeah, they have they have some pretty incredible stuff. Well, so you said that I think you said that you'd heard that they they take their like their cream of they the want crop like the best of the best and right. put them in Galaxy's right. Edge. And even I mean, if seeing the people from some of the the brief ride videos I've seen of Rise of the Resistance, I mean, part of the greatness of that ride is the cast members that are dressed like 
first order officers yes. that are in character yelling at you like why are you so happy that you're going to get interrogated like <laughs> like what are you doing so you know that that's you know part of the magic as well uh, but what i was going to say is if you, they are the only yeah. people in disney world who can be in a, like who are who kind pretend of to be in a bad mood and yell at you and you actually want it to yeah, happen yeah you can be mean <laughs> but what i was going to say just to kind of finish up on the merchandise is if you are a star wars collector I mean, this is where you want to go because you can get so much stuff. They have all of the lightsabers that you can buy replica lightsabers. It's absolutely incredible. And it's, it's great. It's going to be some unique stuff that you're not going to get anywhere else. The speaking of lightsabers kind of moving on, I did the, the lightsaber building experience at, at Savvy's workshop, which I think is, that's the prime experience to do. Now this, this is kind of expensive as well. So this is 200, kind of, it's $200 kind of to build. Now, if you want to buy a replica <laughs> lightsaber uh, of somebody else, so they sell Ray's, Darth Vader's, Kylo Ren's, all those. Mace Windu. Mace Windu. They're, I think like $120 to get a replica lightsaber. So it's 200 to build your own. If you are into Star Wars and and you want a lightsaber, if you're going to buy a replica lightsaber, I would spend the extra $80, $70, $80 to do the build your own because this is a premier experience. Well, yeah, but people who want the replicas might want like a particular oh, one. Yeah, if you want yeah, a Yeah, like you're one, not going yeah. to get Kylo Ren's. You can't build Kylo Ren's um lightsaber correct, or, or correct. scrap was it scrap metal scrap metal yeah they call it scrap metal they don't say it's it's lightsabers again very very immersive uh you're right so if, if you're buying a replica lightsaber just to get a lightsaber i would do the build your own but if you want yeah like hey i need to have kylo ren's you're gonna have to buy the replica but if you've ever been to universal and you've done the the wand experience at olivander's it's a similar idea but it's, done on a much better it's scale. that on crack it's, yeah, it's so it's, it's a much, grander scale and it's done so much better. Yeah, it is so much more. I mean, it, it's just so imaginative and it allows everyone to get a personalized experience as opposed to Ollivander's, which is just one person. It is really cool. Even though I didn't build one, it was awesome just standing there and watching everything going on and watching Joe pick things. And- yeah, because you can have one person in with you. And it's probably a 15 or 20 minute long experience. And I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't get into like too much detail of what happens. But it really is, uh, it really is immersive. I mean, it's it's emotional. I mean, I was I was moved building this. I mean, as much as you know, it's not real that this lightsaber isn't real. Whenever you're done and you turn on that lightsaber. You, you've like you. I felt that power. Like for a second, I was like, <laughs> "I am a Jedi," and I feel the force coursing through me as I activate this lightsaber. And you know, to say like I didn't cry, but like a tear came to my eye of like joy of just happiness. I found it funny as I was building this <laughs> because as I looked around, there's like 12 or 14 people. I'd have to say 90% of them were adult males. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not, yeah, this is hundred percent. This is people, you know, there's not kids in here doing this. And if I there, mean, there are, but if there is a kid doing that, yeah. it's because their dad said, Hey, you, you want to go do this? Uh, I think, honey, I, I think, I think he wants to go build a lightsaber, right? I'll, I'll help him. You know, I'll, I'll go do that. Because who wants to spend $200 for their kid to bash it into something? Well, yeah, these, yeah, you can't, I mean, these are, it's a permanent, it's not like one of those collapsible ones. I mean, and what I was surprised about as I started building it is it's heavy. I mean, it's, it's a high quality thing. You're not getting. The pieces all have weight to them. They're not cheap plastic things that, yeah, they, they, it is. 
you're not paying $200 to get you, a cheap plastic toy. Like right it's, now, it's you have your quality. help just sitting right here. I could probably go into our gym and start using it as one of the weights. Yeah, because they uh, they upsold me on the display for it and everything. They're like, would you like a display or a belt clip? And I was like, I'll have both. Yeah, he was like, everything, please. Yeah, give, give it all to me. They uh, they got me. But but it is. I mean, you just it is overwhelming. I will say, I was surprised. I was surprised you bought the, the belt clip. I was like, oh, yeah, he definitely wants the display. But the I belt. I'm going to walk around it. It's going to be my Halloween costume till the end of time. I'm just going to walk <laughs> around with a lightsaber. But it, I mean, it is. It, it's heavy, though. It really is a great experience. I, I, I would recommend it to people, you know, if it is something. Again, it, it is an investment, but it's not a, I mean, it's not a cheap thing. You're getting a high quality lightsaber. It is a great experience. If you're a fan of Star Wars or you've ever wanted a lightsaber or ever wanted to know what it felt like to build your own lightsaber, it is definitely worth it. I mean, I'd say this, I'd do it again. I mean, that's how much I enjoyed it. Even though I know what happens and and you do kind of lose some of the magic if once you know what happens. So I would try to avoid knowing everything that happens whenever you go. I would still do it again. <laughs> You would avoid trying to know everything that happens. Oh, are you talking about for anybody who's going yeah, who first? hasn't? Done, yeah, I would avoid because I feel like going into it again. Hence, why you didn't talk about it in a lot of detail, right? If, since I know what's going to happen, it, I think I'd lose a little bit of the luster. But I would do it because there's four different options you can build from. There's four different base options, and then with within each of those, there are multiple. Uh, pieces you can choose from to get to like the switch and the hilt and everything. I think I kind of figured out there's about probably a hundred different combinations for each one that you can, that you can build. So there is, but again, kind of like your, like the BB units, if you wanted everything to match and you want it to look really good together, I think they're, they're I, significantly less. I won't say there's no, one option, but I would there's significantly less. Cause all of the pieces go together well, because they're, it's like, again, you're picking from four, uh, different base units. So I picked power and control. So everything is within that family. So anything I picked would have looked good together. So there's, it would have looked powerful and controlling. Yes, it, it would have. It would have looked good. So there definitely are a lot of different options you can pick. I think if I did it again, I would choose. I think it was like the the one that is like the Jedi guards. That's like the gold. I think that's like protection. Is 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 what that not one's under? Not the nature under. one. No, not the nature one. I want to do the nature one. So there's nature, there's peace and justice, power the nature and control. One looks the coolest. And then there's I think it's just called like protection and something. You can get like a horn on the nature yeah, one. Yeah, I, I, that doesn't interest me. I would do the one that has all the gold on it. That's what I would do ne- next with maybe like a a green or a blue blade. Interesting. I want red. The blue blade. I, want red, I will of say. Course. I I did not. I don't know. I think I would have chosen the purple blade if i would have done it myself but when everyone lit theirs up at the end of the experience i think the one that looked the coolest obviously was, red was the that's blue. what i picked because the purple kind of turns out more of like a magenta it kind of looked more pinkish i think they need to kind of mess with the color a little bit there uh, make it a little darker but yeah it the blue was the coolest looking one yeah and the nice thing is you to can me. buy different kyber crystals and change out the color so i picked red but I could buy a blue crystal and change it if I'm if I'm feeling towards the light side one day. I could be blue, then I could switch to the to the dark side. So I, I mean, the thing that kind of wraps up all the experiences that kind of talks about our overall one thing as I was going through this talking about the dark side, 
I think it could use some more dark side experiences. Like I would like to yes. see like a, a stormtrooper where I'm a stormtrooper storm in training. Troop, stormtrooper Academy. Or or like, okay, we have we're flying the Millennium Falcon. Let's fly a TIE fighter. Something like that. Because so much of this is geared, even the lightsaber experience, it's gear, it's geared towards you are building, you're a Jedi in training. You know, Kylo Ren walks around the land and he's you know, he him, automatically him assumes that you're yeah, for the, the light side. Exactly, exactly. There's not rise of the resistance. You're fighting against the resistance. You're flying the Millennium Falcon. Which, I mean, I understand Star Wars is about that, but a lot of people love Darth Vader. A lot of people love Kylo Ren. I mean, there are fans of both sides. The movies wouldn't work if people didn't somewhat like the dark side. Like, a lot of people, you love Stormtroopers. Oh, I love yeah, Stormtroopers. I mean... They're so cute. Yeah. It's like, you know, so <laughs> I don't like the dark side. I just like stormtroopers. Right. So I could, I think that would be a great expansion. I mean, obviously I think the land's doing well and they'll probably have plans to expand it. So I would like to see that expansion of, you know, let's do something that's more, more geared towards the dark side of the force. I just think that would be an interesting thing. Even if it's like, you know, visiting, you know, vader's castle or just something to kind of give oh my gosh that would be such a cool contrast to all the princess castles yeah vader's castle yeah oh my gosh that was such a great idea see i've been watching so much of the imagineering story i'm now imagineering worlds on my own i got the tie fighter ride i got the stormtrooper academy vader's castle we could build a whole uh dark side galaxy's edge here we could we could be on the next version of the imagineering story Imagineering from home. Hey, you know what? How, how do you go? Imagineering from home. <laughs> I just, I did just learn basically from watching the Imagineering story that they hired so many people and then tasked them with things they were completely and wholly unqualified to do. Well, so that here was we back are. In the day. I don't think they do that anymore, but that was there back was some in the day. guy that was the guy that did the ships. He was like, I'm just a traditional architect, and well, they told me they he told me that I had ship. to design a boat, and so I had to do some quick study there. I have to say, the way they built those ships are amazing because they built them in two halves that could float independently of each other and then welded them in the middle. I would be so afraid that ship would break in half. Well, I don't understand how they sealed them up and didn't seal a bunch of water in. Yeah, they built, I guess, so the bottom part was sealed, so it didn't take on water, so that each half could float, and then they floated them to each other and then welded them. I just, I mean, I don't know. I guess nobody ever watched the Titanic movie. Like, I would just be so worried that the well, ship yeah, would crack Well, yeah, but the Titanic, when it broke apart in half, it couldn't float. This yeah. one, if it broke apart That's in half, true. both sides could float. float. It's just floating. Yeah, it's, I mean, that would... That kind of stuff is just amazing to see. And to your point, I don't think that they all do that. They they did that with all of them, though. I think it's just a couple. I don't know I how mean, many that was the first liners. one they built. Yeah, they did it with magic, and there's an well, two of them. Two of them. The first two, and then I think they're they're building three more now. So I think I think that's basically their fleet. I mean, they may have built one since then, but they don't have too many more. So, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not as familiar with the cruise lines, but I think there's only when once the three new ones get built. I think that's going to be like six total. Yeah. So I think maybe they've built one more since then. So, I mean, it's, it's just amazing. Like you said, how they do that. The, the guy never designed cruise ships before <laughs> and they design it and build it in like the most unique way possible. Well, they had to possible. also outsource it a little bit too. Like he didn't completely design everything. They were like, Oh, let's, let's, let's put yeah, this out but there. They built it because they'd never built a cruise ship. Like most cruise ships probably wouldn't build it like that, but they're uh-huh. like, Oh, we don't know any better. Let's, let's build it in two halves that float, float them down the river. 
Yeah. And yeah. we'll weld them together. And he was just funny because he's like, we had to make sure all the floors lined up together. Luckily, they did. I'm like, yeah, you think? Like, yeah. Could you imagine if you're in that middle room and there's just like a six inch like drop? I mean, I figure like engineers do this all the time. They do it with bridges. So I'm sure that it's not that crazy that... I, still, I think it's pretty crazy. Know. Have you seen how big those ships are? That's, <laughs> if you don't think that's crazy, that's What's, pretty impressive. But I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, and then the last thing I think we talked about, I think, again, the landscape, the interactive experiences, I think, need to be better. So, you know, there was a lot of talk of your choices are going to follow you around. If you wreck the Falcon, you know, people are going to come talk to you. Hey, I hear, you know, Hondo's looking for you or something. It definitely at the end of it, you get, it shows you like how many credits you earned from what you the the what you captured versus he charges you for like repairs to the ship but i don't think in any way that goes under your magic band or that follows you in any way so i i think there's some additional stuff that they can still add to it and there is talk you know they say hey we have more shows in place and stuff and, and they really don't need them the land's only been open a few months I think it's popular. Now they've rised the resistance open. It's really popular. So I think in another year or two, once the crowds start to level out, they can start adding some of that additional stuff back into it. Exactly. The only other thing that I wanted to discuss, because I think that this was probably better than a lot of the other lands, was the amount and volume of people walking around the in costume. Um, I think that this was really well done. You had, we ran into the we again. I mean, we were there for what you, you said, like five hours, probably. Probably across the two days, yeah. So across the couple of days, we saw Kylo Ren a couple of times walking around. We Chewies saw everywhere. Yeah, we saw Chewie a few times. Um, and they don't just walk around. They run. They're sneaking. They're trying to avoid each other. Um, I mean, yeah, not they're Kylo not, Ren, and but. they're not walking around with um cast members. Like if you see Mickey walking around in the park well mickey's probably not a great example he doesn't walk around too much but if you see characters walking around in the parks they usually always have a cast member near them whereas like chewy is he has a cast member but she's dressed like a rebel so you don't know she's she seems a part of it Uh kylo ren is just with the stormtroopers maybe there's somebody following him far away but you don't lose that like they're far enough away that it doesn't break that illusion. It seems yeah. like they're just out and about on their well, own. Well, I think Kylo Ray Ryan, just walks around. Yeah, Ray walks around. Ray, Ray is interesting, and she, I think that she doesn't need a cast member because she always seems like she's in a hurry. Like every time we saw her, she was like speed walking yeah. from one place to the next. I wanted so badly to go up to her and like ask for a photo, but she just looks so busy. So I didn't. I yeah, didn't and it. I'm sure there is a cast member. Like I said, probably a little bit back, you know, like that you can't see, but I'm sure they're there just for like protection of them, you yeah. know, because they want people, people running into them. So I, one final thing I wanted to say kind of unrelated to galaxy's edge, but the photo pass photographers, I think the, the, um, the death of the photo pass photographer has been kind oh. of overblown. The fact that <laughs> the, the, yeah, the rumor we've talked about this, I think several weeks ago yeah, about I mean, how they Disney said they were going to be cutting back or that people had said that they were cutting back on the number of, well, they are, they are. Yeah. They added the automated photo pass for a lot of the character meet and greets. But so I was expecting to see less of them, but uh, throughout the park, I mean, there, we saw a ton of photo pass photographers still. There's a lot in galaxy's edge. There's, there's a lot of them in Disney Springs and, and they're, 
as good as ever. We saw one. I mean, they're, they're as great as ever. We never had seen pictures. one in Disney Springs before. Yeah, so that yeah, was. Uh, yeah, they were. They were everywhere. <laughs> that was. Yeah, that was the surprise. The big surprise. And they were great. And they were. I mean, they they were as good as they ever are with the interactions, getting you to like laugh and do funny stuff. Again, the one in Galaxy's Edge was like, I don't know what a photo is. You mean a hollow scan? I mean, mm-hmm. so it's great. So while they may be, you know, cutting back at some of these, the stationary meet and greets and doing this automated one and. And it seems to have kind of slowed down of, of how much they've been replacing. I think they're pushing them out into the park more. And you still are getting a lot of photo opportunities. So if you're buying a memory maker or something, you're still getting a ton of opportunities to get some great photos. Yes. Because we were there two days and I think got a lot of good photos. So Yeah. But I think that, that kind of wraps it up for this week. Next week, we'll be discussing the Skyliner. It's, it's new. We got to ride it. I think there's still some <laughs> operational issues. So... <laughs> So I think yeah. we'll kind of talk about some things to know about the Skyliner on your next trip. And since it's the holidays, doing a little like Disney naughty or nice list of, of what happened this year of, you know, uh, who's getting coal for Christmas and, and who's not. So, <laughs> so definitely, you know, join us next week for that. If you have an idea for something you want us to know, hey, do we think it's on the naughty list or the, or the nice list? Send it in to us. You can do it through our social media, Facebook or Instagram. We're at Enchanted Ears Podcast on both or through our website, EnchantedEarsPodcast.com. You can send it in to us that way. You can send us questions in that way as well. I want to thank everybody uh, for listening again this week. Make sure you leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for letting us your ears. Yeah, thank you. And we'll uh, catch you here next Monday. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.